Our scripture reading this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verses 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they didn't find a body. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified on the third day, rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all of this to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them as an idle tale, and they did not believe them. The word of God for the world. So grateful to be with you today. My name's Justin LaRosa, and I serve as one of the pastors at Hyde Park United Methodist, but uh, the director of the portico and also the minister of our Sunday evening service. And I'm grateful to be in your presence. I'm grateful that you chose to come here to worship God and to remember the Easter story. Let's pray together. God, I give thanks uh, for who you are and who you've called us to be for the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. I pray that uh, all of the, the words of the song and the liturgy and the prayers and the silence, scripture, and my words might aid those to hear you, to respond to you. It is in Christ's name I pray, amen. So earlier this morning, we started in the dark, literally, at Waterworks Park, and we ended in the light. But it doesn't always feel that way when we think about the resurrection, does it? You see, Easter morning invites us into a very compelling question. The women had to wrestle with this question. Later on, the women took it to the men, and they had to wrestle with this question. And I want to suggest that this morning, we, too, have to wrestle with the question. The question was brought to me in my early 20s by a woman also. But before I tell you about that and what even the question is, I want to name something right off the bat. The women are the uncelebrated heroes of Easter. They don't get much press. They don't get much celebration. They aren't even referred to as disciples, which is pretty, pretty ironic since they are way more faithful than any of the men. Way more faithful. Let me tell you why. Back in chapter 8, Luke says when Jesus was in Galilee, these same women, the same name women, were healed by Jesus and taught by Jesus. It was the, woman, the women who stayed with Jesus while he was being crucified, while the men fled. It was also these same women that followed Jesus' bloody, killed, deathless, lifeless body 
while it was put in the tomb. And now, a couple of days later, they go back to the tomb to embalm the body in spices. If there is any group of people who should be called disciples or apostles, it's Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, mother of James, and all the other unnamed women. And I want to suggest to you that since that first Easter morning, women have been doing the tough work of bringing men to Jesus ever since. Men are all shrinking. It's true. Actually, there is a woman in my own story, a woman who will remain unnamed, who was a number of years my senior, and I was taken by her. We hit it off smashingly. She was a faithful follower of Jesus. I was not. I was recently sober. In fact, I was just trying to figure out not a way to die, literally. I chased her into the United Methodist Church, and I was very skeptical, to say the least. And eventually, our romantic relationship would progress to the point where I had to deal with that same compelling question. My deflection and avoidance, which I am very good at, ask my wife, she's in the back, could no longer work. And I had to answer her all-important question, which was, what are you going to do with the empty tomb, Justin? Now, she didn't just phrase it like that exactly. She actually said it a little bit differently. But what she was trying to determine was, could I believe in the possibility that God raised Jesus from the dead? Which is very similar to the angel's question to the women when they said, why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? I'll tell you later how I responded to that question. But here's the good news. Here's a part of the good news. Many people's answer to that question are the same as the major characters in Luke's resurrection story. Let's review the women, the most faithful of all the disciples. They come to the burial site. The stones rolled away. The body was nowhere to be found. Linens are sitting there. And it says that they were perplexed. The Greek word basically means unable to move forward, totally stuck. They were perplexed in what they came upon. They still didn't know what to do with the empty tomb. Then we have the disciples. We know about them. After being told by the women, it says, their words seemed to be an idle tale. They didn't believe the women. In other words, some of the men ignored and others denied it. They were like, uh-uh, there's no way that happened. No way. Then we've got Peter, good old Peter. Remember the same guy that denied him three times, right? After not believing it, when the women told them, he gets up, at least he gets up and runs to check it out for himself. And the scripture says when he got to the tomb, he stooped down and he looked in. And what was revealed was the empty linen cloths. Now, it didn't say he was perplexed like the women. It said 
that he was amazed. The word in the Greek is thamazo, which means to marvel. That doesn't mean he believed. That meant he said, oh my gosh, the body ain't there. Wonder what happened to it. So there you have it. Simply stated, everybody around him had doubts. The women were perplexed. Peter was amazed. And all the others disputed it or ignored it. So Luke's account in the gospel is different than the others. Luke's account is for people whose intellect collides with the resurrection, for naysayers and skeptics. Perhaps you arrived here this morning not being able to do a confident, he is risen, he is risen indeed, but maybe it's more like, he is risen, he is risen indeed, question mark. If that's you, you're in good company. The women, the disciples, Peter. You know, Anne Lamont, famous writer, she likes to push the, push the envelope a good bit. I like that. She says that the opposite of faith isn't doubt. The opposite of faith is not doubt. The opposite of faith is certainty. Your presence here today means that you stand at the threshold of that tomb as well. And Luke declares that there's a way that we can hold our doubt because God's love finds a way through it for us. And the first way that Luke says that we can move through the doubt is to look backwards, is to look in the rear view mirror of our lives. By looking backward, we can move forward. Will you say that with me? By looking backward. Wow, let's do that again. By looking backward, we can move forward. So you see, God loves, finds a way when we stare in the rearview mirror of our own lives. We can see evidence of God at work. That's what the uh, women eventually discovered but they couldn't initially because of their grief. And you know what? Grief and suffering and violence and evil always clouds our ability to see. This morning on Easter morning in Sri Lanka, 207 people were killed and another 500 were murdered or were hurt in bombings across three Christian churches and in hotels. Suffering and violence makes us question the resurrection. Makes us question if anything is different. You know what? Because for back then, confusion and fear and devastation consumed all those that loved and believed in Jesus. They were expecting Israel to be at the pinnacle, but Rome was still in charge. They were expecting uh, themselves, the disciples and the women to come to power, but the religious leaders who enacted the murderous plot were still in charge. All seemed lost, but the women still marched to the tomb. And upon seeing the angels and hearing the, their assertion that Jesus had risen, they were perplexed. It wasn't until they pointed them to the rearview mirror that they could move forward, that they could get unstuck. They remember how Jesus had worked in their lives, how Jesus had healed them and taught them about God and life and love and forgiveness and mercy and inclusion of everybody. They recalled that Jesus said that he would die, but be raised again. 
At the time, they couldn't see it. But there in the empty tomb, they remembered and they could move forward. So I want to direct you to your own life. God has been working in it before you were even aware of it. Was there ever a time in your own journey when you were stuck? Stuck in addiction, stuck in grief, stuck in, stuck in suffering, or you looked out at the world and some evil was preventing you from moving forward and you had no earthly clue how you were going to move forward. And then you did. And then maybe somebody showed up at the right time. Somebody said a word. God intervened in your life. That, brothers and sisters, is the grace of God in Jesus Christ working before you even know it. Just like the women, God finds a way through our doubt through the rearview mirror. But some, for some, that might not be enough. That might not be enough evidence. That might not be enough for you to move forward. And I get it. Then Luke offers a second way in the scripture. We're going to do that repeating thing here in a minute. Ready? When in doubt, check it out. When in doubt, check it out. That's what Peter did. He was the only one to get up. Any one of the men to get up and check out and explore the tomb for himself. And that's what I did when I was full of skepticism. Now, I had a motivator. There was a woman motivating me to actually check it out. But God uses skewed motives in my experience. I was raised in the church as a kid. But I drifted far from God and far from the teachings. And you know, my own belief in Jesus and the church had been deconstructed. It was deconstructed by my own addiction and suffering. It was deconstructed by the way that I was raised and some of the difficult things I had to traverse. And it was also deconstructed by when I looked around, I saw all the evil in the world, some perpetrated by the church. And I said, how can it be? I believed in something, but I just wasn't sure about Jesus. And I was very scared of Christians in the church. Y'all freaked me out a lot. So when my then girlfriend asked me, what I believed about Jesus, I just wasn't sure. But I came, I became willing. I became willing to explore it for myself. So not long after that difficult conversation that we had when I couldn't avoid or deflect, I actually was by myself when I got on my knees. And I prayed this prayer. as one of the most honest prayers I've ever prayed. I said, God, I believe in you, but I don't know about Jesus. I don't know about his claims. I don't know about heaven and hell. I don't know about any of it. But I'm willing to do some work to explore. And because I'm dense, you're going to have to make it crystal clear to me to believe. Amen. I prayed that prayer. And you know what? My relationship ended very, very soon after that. But here's what didn't end. My exploring and growing relationship with not only Jesus the Christ, but the church. This church community at Hyde Park 
told me I didn't have to put my brain in neutral or park to be a Christian. I could hold on to science. I could wrestle with things of faith. And I could become a part of making God's love real in the community. The unnamed woman in my story, who I haven't seen or talked to in forever, God used to bring me to faith, to bring me to belief, all by asking a question. So no matter where you are in your faith journey, what you believe and what you don't believe, whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just new or you come Easter and Christmas and that's okay, I want you to know that you're welcome in this community of faith and you're invited to take the journey to say, God, that says this in the scripture, God, I believe, help my unbelief to walk as you learn to love. And you can even do it if you're chasing somebody in here too. God will use that as well. It may become very clear in the rear view mirror. You know, every Tuesday I gather right over there at the Portico Cafe. There's a little uh, room over there. And about eight or nine of us uh, gather and read the scripture for the upcoming Sunday. And we were talking about this belief in resurrection and and Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And, And we got talking about our doubt at different times. And I got into an email exchange with one of the guys in my group. And I just want to share what he emailed me because I feel like it's, it speaks. He said, my wrestle with doubt in the resurrection no longer mattered when I experienced the grace of God. Previously, the resurrection was just a mental construct, not based on any experience of my own. But through grace, I began to have an experience with God. My understanding of Scripture has been shaped by a relationship with a loving, patient, and understanding God who is more than willing to meet me halfway. And not only that, who's been pursuing me since the beginning. I discovered a personal resurrection through prayer, self-sacrifice, participation in a faith community, and study. I died of self and was awakened to a new way of life. You know, what he seems to be saying and what I took from that is the resurrection isn't just a doctrine to grasp and intellectually believe and having all the right thoughts about. It's a relationship to be lived. God can handle your doubts. Because the Easter story reminds us that God will meet us more than halfway. God met the women. God met the disciples. God met Peter. And God will meet us. He came down to be on the cross so we wouldn't have to bear that burden of separateness and brokenness and sin and evil and death and transform it so we can be raised to new life here and now and also later. Following Jesus and believing in the resurrection isn't just about after you die. It's about here and now as we wait for later, as we participate in bringing the kingdom of God and all of its life and love and wholeness in the world here today as we wait for later. And Luke helps us to embrace 
our doubt by inviting us to remember to look in the rearview mirror. When we're in doubt, check it out and believe that God is meeting us already halfway. So friends, in the light of Easter, I ask you a question. What is it that you're going to do with the empty tomb? Let's pray together. God of light and God of love, God of darkness and God of radiance, we give thanks for the way in which you have lived, that you died, and that you are now resurrected. I pray for all here with doubts that they might be able to pray that prayer. Lord, I believe, help our unbelief. Illuminate our hearts and minds. May we be aware of your presence in our past, the way you've been meeting us all along. If we struggle with faith, show us that you can walk with us. And we pause to acknowledge that you lived and died for not only us individually, but for the whole world. And help us to participate in making God's love real. In the name of God, the Creator, Jesus Christ, the Redeemer, and the Holy Spirit Sustainer, we pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, we give back with our gifts and generosity to the church. Thank you for your presence.